Are we in the days of Noah again? What are the days of Noah, you say? And what did Jesus mean when he said that the days just before his return would be like the days before the great flood in early Genesis? Welcome, friend, to episode 240 of Jesus Smart, the podcast. You can see the show notes page for links and to take things a little further at jesussmart.com slash 240. I believe that Jesus Christ knows how our lives work best, and he's absolutely passionate about developing his followers as intimate friends and co agents in his kingdom. Listen to an episode or two and see if you might want to add the podcast to your playlist. This is a special crossover episode pulled together by a friend, Stephen Lauterbach of Despite Popular Belief Podcast, and also purveyor of Manifold Ministries, a content platform with several different podcasts and blogs, including Jesus Smart, the podcast. Also on the crossover episode is a newish friend and fellow content guy. We're getting to know Mark Russick of the Russick Outlook Podcast killer researcher and communicator. You need to check out his stuff to bring you up to speed with some things that are happening in our world and how we can pray and witness effectively to the reality of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. I think you're going to like this episode. Hey, a quick commercial first. Are you getting the Kingdom Brew newsletter yet? And if not, may I ask why not? It's free and It's the only newsletter that never gains weight and stays in summer shape. Okay, that's absolutely a little silly there, but subscribe and be notified when new episodes go live. You can sign up for the e-letter to keep you updated about new things and resourcing from Jesus Smart. We're all questing. We are all questing to level up with our Christ following. And it's really about you, about me, about our world going above and beyond as an apprentice of Christ's kingdom, you can go to jesussmart.com slash newsletter. You know, I read someone recently who said, if you have any inkling to get a particular book, let's say you have your eye on a book, it's caught your attention. They said, just get it because one good idea is worth way more than the cost of the book. Well, I'm encouraging you to press through on this episode. It's a little longer. We do have a lot to say. But even if you chunk it, if you know what I mean, your podcast app, you can pause it, you can stop it, come back to it, pick up where you left off. And it's amazing how much podcast content you can take in by by chunking it. Just one or two big ideas from our conversation can reshape how you pray, I believe, even how you process your walk with Christ during these days. And even how you can next level what I like to call, and I stole this idea from Dallas Willard, your apprenticeship to Christ and to his kingdom. So, are we living in the days of Noah again, according to Jesus in Matthew 24? Let's get right into it. By the way, we also invest a few minutes right at the top of our conversation reflecting on the recent Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. And at the very end of our discussion, we touch on angels and how they can assist us in these days as Father God sends them to us on assignment. Okay, here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Despite Popular Belief. This is a another special episode because it is a crossover episode with several content creators, ones that you are familiar with, hopefully. But if you don't know these creators, uh, this would be a cool introduction for you guys to get to know. Uh, but we have with us today Brian Del Turco from Jesus Smart the Podcast, and we have Mark Russick from the Russick Outlook. And then joining us later, I believe JCL Felto may jump in a little bit, uh, depending on how his kid's schedule is, but he is part of Writer's Lens and Narrative Wars. Uh, so, um, Brian and Mark, welcome back to the show again. Yeah, it's great to synergize with you guys tonight. It's awesome to be here. 
Yeah, so I'm uh, very excited to get this thing going. I think the last time we did a crossover was probably this past Christmas. Um, but uh, Mark is new to the collaboration, and so I can't wait to get into this. We got a really cool topic today. Uh, we're going to be discussing, uh, as in the days of Noah, that phrase. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, we made a little bit of history recently in the past couple of days uh, that I think is kind of important to talk about. Maybe I can uh, pass the wand over to uh, over to you, Mark uh, and Brian, to talk about that. Yeah, it's it, 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 it's just incredible. And of course, you're referring to the overturn of, of the decision of Roe v. Wade, 50 years of abortion you know, approximately 63 to 65 million babies in this country uh, uh, died under this law. And and to see it happen, and, you know, I, I'm just in awe of the Lord, and, and I've said this recently, and I kind of delved a little bit deeply. I'm hoping the church and Christians look at this and understand, I believe personally, that this is God's timing, and that we are presented with unique opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus to a hurting world that, you know, these are things that we've been praying for. The church has been praying for. There are many people who have put in the sweat uh, of their brow, many organizations, uh, many women's organizations have been at the forefront of, of, of this. So, you know, we, we ride the wings of prayers and work and energy of so many people and yeah. God is faithful and I can't help but think, you know, why now? And, and what is it? And of course, nothing takes the Lord by surprise in his timing. So I'm confident in that. And I'm excited to see uh, not only so many, you know, we're really looking at a potential of millions of lives that will be saved as a result of this. And it happened like that. Yeah. It happened in a moment's time. You know, June 23rd, that law was in effect. June 24th, boom. You have 22 states that have trigger laws in place that are ready to uh, either ban abortion or limit abortion, depending upon uh, the terms or the amount of pregnancy uh, that the women the w women are showing or, you know, their state. So I, I am super, super grateful, excited. And, you know, I, and, you know, I want to turn this over to Brian, but I just... I want to encourage people to become educated and to be willing to engage with people who may be for abortion. It's our opportunity to not only show the love of Jesus, but let's go in there. Let's be educated. Science has changed a lot over the last 50 years from when this uh, law first came into being. We know the anatomy uh, of the child in the womb. We've seen all the pictures. We've seen all the um, the, the differences of the last 10, 15, 20 years. So, you know, we know personally because we, we you know, we understand our relationship with Jesus, but others may not. Right. And, and I think it's our opportunity to kind of stand up and, and, and as I said, be the hands and feet of God yeah. um, as we're supposed to, as the body of Christ. So I'll just shut up and let Brian, <laughs> you guys take it. Sorry. About that. Well, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm so excited too with you, with you gentlemen. It, it's, it seems like a suddenly, but usually when it feels like a suddenly, it's on the long end of a lot of prayer and even good works. And that I'm so proud. I'm, I'm my kingdom proud of the pro-life movement mm -hmm. over these decades because it has been a movement of prayer and it's been a movement of good works. You know, I hear some commentary from the other side saying, well, now we'll really see 
how pro-life they are. Are they going to take care of women? Are they going to take care of babies? Ah. Well, the pro-life movement's actually been doing that for decades, mm-hmm. you know, for decades, adoption and foster care and crisis pregnancy centers and just, just, you know, education, all of it. So um, it is, it is an opportunity to deepen our witness and to really um, continue to bring to the nation a, um, almost like an apologetic for life, the value of life and how God thinks about life. And, you know, guys, I was thinking recently out of Psalm 139, where David says that, you know, even as I was in the womb, you saw my unformed substance. Mm. You know, we have the technology today to look into the womb with, you know, a lot of high resolution and, and, and see that baby even much more than like back in the 70s and 80s. But the Bible says that God saw his unformed substance. And even before he was born, all the days that were ordained for him. And the thought that came to me is that the womb, I hope this is not offensive to any listeners, but the second a human being is conceived in the womb, it becomes the sanctuary of God. Mm. The womb becomes almost a domain where God is now creatively at work. And, um, you know, the message is, well, it's my body, but there's another body. And even beyond that, there's a creator at work in that womb Mm -hmm. and to penetrate that process and violate it and do violence to it. Again, I hope it's not offensive, but it's an egregious event. You know, Uh, I really can't think of anything more violent actually than that. And so it's a wonderful time. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm excited about it. How about you, Stephen? What are your uh, thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I, I agree with, with both of you. I'm, I'm excited that this, this has happened. Um, there's a couple of things that I noticed, uh, cautiously from, from the sidelines, I guess. And that's, uh, I've noticed some friends and family, uh, some friends and family that disagree with this value, uh, and they would call themselves pro-choice. They have gone to social media and essentially said, um, if you support the pro-life movement, go ahead and delete me now. I've seen it over and over and over again, name-calling, lots of rage and anger, and they're saying it to their own family members. And that's caused... Well, I know at least for myself and a couple of my friends who I've spoken to personally, uh, it's caused a little bit of anger in me. Like, how, how can you be... How can you have like a discrimination like that, like to that level, that that's the hill that you want to die on to cut me out of your life? But then I, I noticed that like if, if my first reaction to that is anger, what's wrong with me? Because really that should cause us to grieve. Uh, it should cause us to feel sorrow that, that people want to die on that hill, that they are willing to cut their family members out of their life because uh, they support this horrifying, this horrifying ritual. Um, I don't have to describe this to you. I mean, you guys, you guys feel the same. It's this should grieve us, but in the same manner too. While people may be threatening to cut us out of their lives over this, we should be ready with open arms to welcome people like that back. Uh, if if they end up having a change of heart, we don't have to say, "See, I told you so." But like, just humbly welcome them back. Don't gotta you know shove it down their throat or anything, and just. I don't know. 
just got to remember to have that gentle reaction. Sure. Uh, I've been reminding yeah. myself of that at least. So, you know, I, I, I would also point out the fact that this is a court case mm-hmm. that's following the constitution. Now, as much as the three of us may be glad that abortion will be limited in many states, if not eliminated, the fact of the matter is, if you want an abortion, you will still be able to get one. Yeah. Roughly half the country, if not more, um, will still allow that. So some of the, uh, the messaging, if you will, uh, it, you know, they're trying to take hold of it. They're trying to cause division. They're co- trying to cause strife. And the reality of, uh, of it is, you know, we need to be able to say, hey, this is this is a court case. This is the law. This is the ruling that came down. And, you know, more often than not, we may not always agree with a ruling on a court case. But the foundation and the staple of this country is our judicial process. Mm-hmm. And, sure, sure. and it's what we have. So, you know, we, just as we needed to abide by the fact that when abortion was a federally uh, 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 federal law, uh, you know, across this nation, yeah, you know, we, we need to be able to have civil discourse, civil dis, you know, yeah. uh, um, conversations, much like you said. But the thing that that strikes me, and and I I found this in Justice Alito's closing opinion, that we're at a point where what I would refer to, and he referred to this as in the word arrogate in, in his closing argument that. Uh, Roe v. Roe arrogated the, the the decision, and what that is is it means to be prideful, to be um, uh, uh, one-upsman, if, if you will. And I think that's the point of where where we're at in this country that we're in a state of cultural Marxism. And by this, I mean, if the left and others will say, "This is the opinion that you need to have. This is right. You're wrong. End of subject." What they've done is they've eliminated all civil discourse. They've eliminated free speech. Mm-hmm. They've eliminated the, the exchange of ideas and, 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 and thoughts. And yeah. sadly, that used to be the basis of the liberal party, that they would want less government, that they would want you to engage in conversation. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of what I think we need to be able to fight for. And, and it's not always going to be easy. And we're not going to win you know, every argument. We don't have to get into a heated discussion, but I think we're at an advantage. But by this, I I mean, if we go into a discussion prayerfully, seeking Holy Spirit, asking for his words, asking for his prompting, um, and and be content if we put our best foot forward, make the the argument or the discussion, and leave the rest to Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, that's what we need to do. And, and, you know, it's not going to be easy and nothing is that's that's worth it or worth the fight for the Lord. But if he's with you, who can be against you? Amen. So, you know, I I just say we have a stacked deck in the sense that we have the Lord, we have righteousness. Mm. And it's not a matter of, you know, we, we need to be as tolerant as we can, but also, you know, explain to people, hey, this is what happened. This is the law. It's it's not federally mandated. It's up to the states. The law is now, you know, the the, the power is in your vote. The yeah. power goes back to the state, which is what the Constitution originally laid out. So, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, I, I, um, 
there's a real sense in which this is a state's rights decision, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this is an opportunity. It's like one big giant civics lesson. And of course, the illiteracy of civics in our country is horrible. You know, many people do not even understand basic American civics and how our government works. And of course, they've been products of, you know, educational experiences, which have totally um, been insufficient for that and even polluting their thinking about that. Yeah, it's a return to states' rights. And even like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was a liberal justice recently deceased, she said the 73 decision was horrible as a matter of constitutional law. It was a horrible decision. And many other liberal constitutional scholars have said the same so there, there's there's that too, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not just a religious issue, but it's it, it's a terrible um, constitutional law issue, mm-hmm. and 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 federalism, states' rights, and our 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 framers, their genius included the idea that each state was an experiment, you know, each state was a laboratory, on all kinds of issues, economic and issues like this. And so, you know, let the cream come to the top. You know what I mean? Yep. Let the states compete. It's a defense against evil. It's a defense against centralized control. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of the American federalism sy- system. We're close here to Independence Day when we're recording this. What is it? June 29th. Mm-hmm. So July 4th is American Independence Day. But it's the beauty of federalism. Uh, it's, it's the genius of it. Yeah. Yeah. We're making hit. Well, I mean, we're not making history of, but we're living through this. This is incredible. Yeah, a country, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. And I hope this isn't too crude of a transition, but the topic uh, that we're talking about today has somewhat to do with what we're seeing, or at least the debate um, of, you know, pro-life, pro-choice. Absolutely. Uh, there are more violent words uh, that people use to des- uh, describe those, but when we were brainstorming what to do for this collaboration today, uh, Mark had the idea uh, to discuss, as in the days of Noah, he's done lots of research from a lot of different angles about this. So, Mark, could you tell us, like, what are we talking about when we say, as in the days of Noah? Where does that come from? What do you mean? Well, I, I, you know, Jesus is referring, number one, going back to Genesis, because he is really referencing uh, Moses in the book of Genesis and, and the account of uh, from from Adam on up to Noah and, and the floods. And I'm sure for you, you know, we don't need to go down that road for your audience. We all know about, you know, Adam's fall and, and what happened. But, you know, I think it's 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 responsible for Christians to shift the paradigm and try to understand when Jesus is talking about the days of Noah, well, what were the days of Noah like? And really what you have to do, what I have to do is look at what made the Lord so angry that he was going to destroy the entire world, mm-hmm. but for, uh, um, the, the, you know, Noah and, and, and his wife and family and the, and the kids and the wives, eight people, that he was destroying everything. Mm-hmm. And, and, and think about the magnitude of, of what could, what, what was there at that time. And 
Genesis alludes to that, and there are several other books, and we've talked about this before, and Enoch, the book of Enoch uh, goes a lot into this, and, and Jasher and, and whatnot, and I'll just say right off the bat, you know, we don't believe that they, these books are the Word of God, but, you know, we've done studies where it backs up scripturally uh, one book to another. It doesn't contradict the Word of God, I'll put it that way, um, and and. You know, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but, you know, I will say that there's a lot of validity to the book of Enoch. And, and you know, if, if time allows, we you know, maybe we can go there. So what I want to do is look at what what were those days like and, and in doing so. And for some people, you know, in this audience, I don't know whether they know this or not. And, and I think you have to look at Genesis one, two and three. Because there is an awful lot of information that's in there, and there's an awful lot of, of, of time that's in there. So I want to see if I could, I, I tried to have something ready on that. So I just, and it's important, so bear with me to kind of set this up. So the word says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That means God created, it's perfect. It's made the way God wanted it. It's beautiful. There's no, God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't create darkness. And then the second verse says, now the earth was unformed and void. It's starting with now, which means there was something before that. And it says unformed and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God. So, and every time you see that something uh, uh, happens before that. Mm -hmm. So from the beginning where God created the heavens and the earth, and it goes on in other books and in Job, and it says the morning stars were there and all the angels, and they celebrated and they sung for joy, which means Lucifer before the fall. Everybody was there when the earth was made. And then you had the fall of Lucifer, which is what verse two is alluding to. So now sin has, has you know, uh, entered and then you go to verse three and it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then that starts the creation process. So we don't know what amount of time and what happened on the earth from verse one to verse three. And you have to, to me, this is the way I look at it. You have to start with, okay, Lucifer has fallen from heaven. He's fallen from grace. Then God creates man. Now, man is made a little lower than the angels. Adam is perfect. Adam is absolutely perfect the way God created him. Incredibly intelligent, mentally, spiritually, physically. You know, there's, there's, there's all these things you can point to. Then sin entered the world. Then this king, keys to the kingdom, so to speak, is handed over to Lucifer. We know from Scripture, Lucifer wants to be worshipped. And he wants, he's about the kingdoms. Because if you remember when Jesus was tempted in the desert, he said, if you bow to me and you worship me, I will give you these kingdoms. So he showed him something supernatural. And I believe a lot of these kingdoms were created before the flood. That And that, that's kind of where you go into getting into the Nephilim and whatnot. So the book of Enoch states, and, and, and it's considered, you know, readily accepted by scholars everywhere that there was 200 angels, fallen angels that what are the, the, uh, the book of Genesis describes as they left their habitation and they came 
into the daughters of men. They married the daughters of men. They found them attractive and they and they came in and they had children, which is now you're 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 uh, interlacing an angelic DNA to a human DNA. And that's where you get these hybrid freaks. So you've created this o- over time, over approximately a thousand years uh, of, of mutations of one, you know, genetic mutation after another. We're ju- we just lived through two years of mutations with COVID. Mm. Picture a thousand years on the earth, everywhere, everything it touches, they were not, and again, all creatures were destroying the flood. That meant the, the mammals, the, the, the birds of the air, uh, the beasts, the cattle. Everything was tainted because we know that these angelic beasts were destroying creation. They were creating their kingdoms in their way. And we have these megalithic structures to point to the pyramids, uh, uh, Stonehenge, Easter Island, you know, these megalithic structures that are hundreds of tons in weight and, and artistically built and archaeologically sound. And I can go on and on. So what happened there? And, and that's kind of where I wanted to look at what was the what was life back then? What what exactly happened? And because Jesus is saying, so shall it be as in the days of Noah. It goes on to say they were eating and drinking and carrying on as normal, meaning life is going on, but there is something deep and nefarious that that is happening. Mm -hmm. And I believe we're starting to see that manifest itself today in the earth. We're not at that point yet, Uh, but that's kind of where I say we need to, to look at that because the culture will tell you the, the earth is, you know, billions of years old, that we were cavemen. We were, and you know, at one point we were dumb and, and this and that. We only came of age somewhere around 3500 B.C., you know, where, where you have the first empire. So th- that's a lie. You've been fed. You, the world has been fed a lie. We're not Barney Rubble and Fred Flintstone. We've, right. you know, we never were. And if you look at the architecture of these buildings back in this time, and you look at the Bible, we are created by God. We are magnificent species, not now with sin in us, and that's why we need the blood of Jesus. But we need to kind of flip the script because what the world has been taught is that we're an accident. And and if you just look at basic science, it's really telling you. The three of us here are talking on this microphone, but our ancestors are rocks. Yeah. Makes no sense at all. But if you really want to break it down, that, that that's the way it is. So that's kind of the framework of, of, of what I'm thinking to set up. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Brian. Well, yeah, I this like between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, I know that's a separate issue from Noah's flood. Perhaps it was a flood before Noah's flood. There was one. If what Mark is saying is true, and I'm, I'm probably 80-20 or 90-10 agreeing with Mark that there is an indeterminate amount of time between verses 1 and 2 and Genesis, or Genesis 1 verses 1 and 2 for a couple of reasons. I'm not a great expert on this, but one of the reasons is every time we see God create something, there's design to it and beauty. Mm-hmm. And so what we see in verse 2 doesn't look like what God cre- creates, you know. Hebrew phrase, I think it's tohu vabohu. It means like a barren wasteland, sterile. It's, it's um, you know, it's chaotic. There's no design to it. It's uninhabitable. 
And um, in Isaiah 45, 18, it says, God did not create the earth in vain. And it uses one or both of those Hebrew words there, but he, but he did create it to be inhabited. It says that in Isaiah 45, 18. There's also a set of verses in Jeremiah 1 where Jeremiah seems to be taken back in time, and he, and he seems to be describing what we see in Genesis 1-2 as a picture of the judgment and devastation that's going to come on Judah that Jeremiah is prophesying about. So there is that between verses 1 and 2. Again, I'm, I'm like 80-20, 90-10 on that. I've always felt that way. I, I know it's controversial in theological circles. I know there's debate on it. I now, can you throw in a real quick analogy on Tohu, because you brought up Tohu, Vabohu. Yeah. I heard this as a definition, and I thought it was awesome. Uh, a minister was was teaching on this, and, you know, where, where the earth was was unformed in darkness, and she brought up Tohu, Vabohu. And a German woman had said, I know what that means. The Yiddish women taught us this, and they described it as, you make up and you clean your house, and your house is completely perfect. And your teenager comes into his room or her room and destroys it. And she said that the people would come in and say, this room is Tohu Vavohu. <laughs> yeah. So this would be a Hebrew phrase that's used just in everyday life to describe something like that. Yeah. And that, that, yeah. That's, that, that's how she, she went. Yeah. And so for those who really want to get nerdy about it and drill on, drill into it and, and get some Hebrew word studies, you can do that. But yeah, you got that in Genesis 1-2. You got, you know, the Bible interprets the Bible, right? I think we believe that as sort of a hermeneutic. So like, I, if you look at Isaiah 45-18, look at those verses in Jeremiah 4, and just think about what do we know of God? He's a God of purpose, design, and beauty. Unless right. you're going to believe that God created the heavens and the earth, but he, he created it like on a gradient, and he just started out with some kind of a a devastated state and just began to iterate it. I think it's more likely that, that what we see there is that God began to recreate and restore because something horrible happened. Yeah. And I, I there's, we're talking about meanings of words um, right there <clears throat> in Genesis one, where it says that the spirit was hovering over the deep. Um, the word hovering that we use in our crude English version was actually brooding over the deep and brooding was translated as like what a mother bird would do to protect her eggs or her young as she broods over them. And it's, it's a beautiful image because if you think of the spirit hovering over this void like that, it is a preparation. Sure. Preparation. Um, a, a protection over a preparation. It's just like when you get that visual in there, it, it changes the story a little bit. It makes it more intimate. I, yeah. I love it. It's, I mean, God's words alive, man, this is, this stuff is so cool. <laughs> it's, like it. a, it's, it's actually something of a reproductive term, isn't it, Mark, um, for brooding yep. and hovering over the earth. And just like Stephen said, like, like a mother bird would, would brood or, or vibrate or fertilize or over her nest. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have the, and then you have God turning the lights on, and we know it, it. It really could not have been the sun and the moon because that came on day four. Yep. He's probably he's probably turning his glory on over this mess, just radiating his Shekinah light over it, and he's beginning exactly. a recreative process. Um, and uh, see, God always wins. That's the message here. No matter if Lucifer rebels or later on Adam rebels or. If these angels come down in Genesis 6, 1 to 4, and try to defile the bloodline, God always wins. He always comes back with something. 
and he's a winner. He's never lost and he never will. And, and that's who we serve. And so and, and, and that means we win. That's right. right. That's right. Thanks be to God who always leads us in his triumph. Right. Is, is, yeah. is the way Paul put it. Now, Brian, you, yeah. you mentioned real quickly, you breeze right over it. You're talking about a blood a bloodline. What are you talking yeah. about? Well, Mark has helped us with this. He helped us on, on my podcast back in January. Is the what theologians call the Proto-Evangelium in Genesis 3.15, where God immediately shows up. Adam and Eve fall. Satan deceives Eve. She influences Adam. They both are deceived. They both fall. The glory lifts off of them. Their, their ability to exercise dominion lifts with that. It's handed over to Satan, really. He tells Jesus in the wilderness, it's been handed over to me. And, you know, in the wilderness temptation and, 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 and Jesus didn't challenge him on that. The only thing Jesus did in the wilderness temptation was I'm going to get it back, but not by worshiping you. Mm. You know, he is the last Adam, but yeah. So God speaks to the serpent and says, you know, the seed of the woman is going to crush your head. You're going to bruise his hill, but the seed of the woman is going to crush your head. And, and that's a messianic prophecy mm-hmm. that the son of God is going to come and crush his head. So right there, it's, it's like a sentence of eternal damnation and death that God issued against him. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll let Mark go from here, but you can see the logic then of, okay, there's a bloodline, there's a Messiah coming. Is Satan going to just watch that happen? Take it away, Mark. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, you, 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 you hit right on it. And, you know, the Bible is filled with accords of... Uh, of, of Satan trying to attack the bloodline leading up to the Messiah. You can think about, you know, the Egyptians, and you know, killing the, you know, the younger boys leading up to the birth of Jesus and Herod trying to kill him and him trying yeah. to find Jesus through the Magi trying to trick them. Uh, there's, I think, a, somewhere between 12, 10 to 12 accounts of, of Satan attempting to uh, destroy the bloodline. And I would say that, that's where the, the Nephilim come in, because, you know, to your point, that's the very first prophecy in the Bible, Genesis 3.15, where, where the Lord gives Satan yep. his death sentence. And from that point on, we see that, you know, the, the, this, um, this falling, uh, the fallen angels trying to, and, 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 and marry women and have these Nephilim, these giants, these crossbreeds. Mm-hmm. And the Bible is littered with with these accounts, destroying or attempting to destroy. You know, you can go back to Abraham, Abraham's journey through through Israel, going through all of these different uh, Nephilim camps and giant camps of giants. And you know, you remember uh, the story of Joshua and Caleb, and, and he go for Moses, and he went to spy on the land, and he came back and he said, "They're as big as." Giants and we are as grasshoppers in their sight. So think about a grasshopper and and, and think about you know the, the, this giant. But but my point is, it was always about getting to the seed of the woman. It was always about stopping the Messiah, and then afterwards continuing on and trying to stop the Hebrews, trying to stop the Jewish race. You can go you know as recently as World War II with Hitler trying to try and and. All of the anti-Semitism today, this is a satanically induced, uh, you know, this vile hatred of these people who have done nothing, you know, 
are clearly blessed by God beyond comparison. Uh, but that goes back to the degree of the war that we're in. And we need to remind ourselves this is a war. So when I go back to looking at what were the days of Noah, Satan and his angels were at war with the Lord, you know, and, and it started from it started at Babel uh, and, 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 and worked its way up. And, you know, we are what's being hunted because, you know, we are the apple or, you know, it says Israel, but I mean, you know what I mean? where we, we've been created, we're blessed by God, we're, we're ordained, we're a royal priesthood, we have the blood of Jesus. His only son thought so much of the three of us and the people listening that he went to the cross and died for us. That's how special we are. And that's the prize that, that Satan is trying to take down. And, and this is a real war. And if you go back to the degree of what he was doing in the days of Noah, Jesus said he's, it's coming around again. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing new under the sun. And we know that, you know, history has a way of repeating itself. It may look a little bit differently, but, you know, at its foundation, Satan wants to be worshipped. He wants to be in charge. He wants to be, you know, the, the, the grand poobah. You know, you go you go back to Isaiah and, uh, and Ezekiel where, you know, he walked on the mountain with God and he said, I want to be like the most high. He wanted to be, you know, he wanted to be worshipped. Everything we see, if you go back to these uh, megalithic structures, the temples that were built, they were, you know, these men were worshipping these demons, these mm. the, these giants. Right. So it, it's it's mm. a long, convoluted way of getting there. But, uh, you know, my point is we need to kind of look at history through the lens of Scripture rather than history through the lens of Darwin. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I don't want to be I don't want people to accuse me of wearing a tinfoil hat or something. You know, it's totally against the way I am. You know, please don't try to put a tinfoil hat on me. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think we have to be honest about this stuff. And, and um, you know, you read a passage like Second Timothy, chapter three, where it says the last days will be perilous in a, in a list this descriptors of the last days. And even the word perilous means like brutal and savage. And, and, and some of the descriptors in the last days are like unloving or without natural affection. You think about abortion. Mm. You think about the powerful natural instinct of, of a woman at the baseline to be a nurturer and, 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 a, and a caregiver and a birther mm-hmm. of a baby. And yet there can be such a jadedness and callousness and a savageness and a brutality, you know, I saw I saw a picture of one woman at, at this was several weeks ago before the decision, but at a, at a pro-abortion. This is a woman. This is a beautiful woman. I mean, she was an attractive woman. She didn't look like some kind of a, you know, I mean, this was a woman and she has a placard and she's holding it up. And, and her placard says that fetuses are good snacks. I saw that. Did you see that? I mean, I did. I did. in one sense, I, I I'm thinking what do you mean? And what is it that would bring you to a place where you would put that phrase on a placard and go public with it? That fetuses are good. There's a brutality and a lack. Anyway, these are signs of the last days. And according to Paul in second Timothy three, brutal, savage times. Absolutely. And, you know, I would just go to your point, how bad it will be. Jesus said he has to put a some paraphrasing, but he has to put a stop to it because no flesh would survive. Mm. Meaning the, the tribulation. That's how bad it would be. 
Yeah. And, and you know, that that's the point, you know, that, that we're getting at. And I would just say that when the law kind of going back to uh, Roe v. Wade, when the law was written, it was supposed to be for exceptions, for extreme circumstances, for, uh, you know, very carefully thought out uh, scenarios. And you can see the influence of Satan in this culture to the point where, you know, we're now saying that the baby can be born and you can still take its life, still call it abortion. So that's the point that this society has gotten to. And that's in the last couple of years. I saw a, a, a situation just talking about how vile people have gotten. Uh, there was protests in front of a church and they mocked the scene where they dressed someone up to be like the Virgin Mary and they had an abortion of Jesus. So then what they were saying, wow, we're to abort Jesus. See, it's just like Herod in the Gospels who tried to kill Jesus, right? Yeah. It's just it's just like the dragon in Revelation 12 that's right there between the legs of the woman trying to devour the man-child Christ coming forth. Um, you know, it's the same demonic... I'm going to say I'm going to go out and say something, I, I guess, radical, and, and I hope it's not offensive to a listener, but it's that same demon spirit that wants to kill Christ. It's, a, it's like a cousin spirit or the same demonic energy in abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and you're right, Mark. I mean, it, you know, at first, maybe it was like the life of the mother or if there was a tremendous complication with the child in the womb, maybe, um, I mean, just so, uh, but those statistics today are so they're way less than 1%. They're like in the hunt, they're like in the hundreds, they're like seven one hundredths of 1%, something like that. I just saw some numbers recently. And so to use it as an apologetic for abortion, just as is, it, it doesn't work overwhelmingly over 90s, whatever, six, 7%. It's just, a last firewall of birth control or, or convenience or, or something like that. Yep. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a spiritual war. Is that offensive guys? I hope nobody's offended. <laughs> it is. It's, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers yeah. and principalities and princes of the air. You know, this, it, it's the real deal. And then I want to think whenever you see some, some radical person just like losing it. I, I saw one person, he was being challenged and this guy nearly looked like he was manifesting a demon. His voice changed. The whole energy of his face changed. The aura around him changed as he just was saying, yes, I want to kill babies. He's a man saying this. And um, anyway, perilous times, brutal. My Lord, we got to be prayed up, don't we? (laughs) Yeah. Got to be, got to be word up, prayed up. We got to be in right relationship with others in the body. We got to be clean. There's power in being clean. This is not a time for compromise. I mean, we, it's, it's going to get ugly before the Lord comes. Yeah. And like you said, we're on the winning side of this, but we have to we we sit by as spectators, seeing this all unfold. And I mean, there's times where it feels like the best that I can do is just try to protect my own kids. 
and I know that that that's probably selfish, but that's why talking about these things and I don't know broadcasting it out there can help people to start to consider some of these things. Like, yeah, we don't have to live in fear. God did not give us a spirit of fear. Uh, that's laid out very clearly in Second Timothy, but that all throughout the Bible, that is a major theme, especially for Joshua, fear not, over and over and over again. We don't have to live in fear of any of this. Uh, mm-hmm. Man, it makes you think, though, what else is coming? I mean, it should have—abortions were escalating for decades, but we were just recently starting to see the state come after our kids and the public and— you know, and, and it was everything from library yeah. time with your kids, uh, with, uh, and I'll just say a crossdresser that has not had a background check time and time and time again, somebody runs a background check and they were a pedophile. They're not supposed to be around kids. And, oh, oops, they were at the library with your kids. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, nothing happened to your kids while you were there, but like, why do you need to why do you need your kids to see that guy in a dress? Why do you why do you need them to consume that level mm-hmm. of deviance? Do mm-hmm. your own do your own thing behind closed doors. I know there's depraved stuff going on. Uh Christians are up to no good behind closed doors too. Like we're sinful people. But the fact yeah. that you want to teach this to kids, put it in front of their eyes and say, This yeah. is so normal. I like that was starting to get alarming to me. How can it get worse than that? Like what else is coming? Yeah. What else? Yeah. Wow. I think we need to brace ourselves and really be um, ask God for discernment. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a spiritual gift called the discernment of spirits. We need to become, I think, well acquainted with that gift. You know, and 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 learn how to discern and sense things. And. Um, you know, there's a dip. Like if you see a bear up on a tree line on a mountain slope, that's one thing. But if you wait until it's he's in your face mauling you, <laughs> too late. You know, yeah. So I mean, if if we can kind of like see and pray and position and pivot and you know, war against things, you know, I I think we need to be out there further with it, so to speak. Yeah. You know, understanding what's coming. What do you guys think about? I mean. You know, you hear some of the things that people are openly talking about on stages amongst elites, like at the World Economic Forum or this guy. I can't remember his name, but he, he's a he's a he's an Klaus. atheist. He, he, yeah. Klaus Schwab. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Him. And but there's this guy they call the prophet uh, who works uh, at uh, Hebrew University. And yeah, um, I, I, I forget his name. I know who you're talking about. Jerusalem. He's a, he's he's an atheist. And. Um, this guy is not the Antichrist with a capital A, but it's a small A, you know? Mm. I mean, this guy's talking about, I'm going to put together an episode where I'm, 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 I'm going to scrape audio clips of what he has actually said. We're just going to hear him in his own words, mm. you know? Yeah. Unbelievable stuff he's talking about. Just very Antichrist, Antigod. He's defining the cloud as not like the clouds of heaven or but as the tech cloud. And we're going to put we're going to monitor people. We're going to edit Charles Schwab. And these people are talking about gene editing mm. and um, messing with the human genome and, and, and people and merging with technology. And, yeah. 
Yeah. And, I mean, and these are that, like that changes kind of goes back to the seed that changes the DNA of what God created with you. He, they're saying your DNA and what God made, how God made you. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. We're going to change. Yeah. We're going to make yeah. it. Yeah. And it's all counterfeit. They're always talking about eternal life. So there's always a demonic counterfeit to the born again experience. We can regene you. Mm. We can cause you to be a new person. You can live forever. Um, you know, instead of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, now we have this cloud, this tech, you know, and, and we are God. And this is this, this is the language and logic that they're talking in. And so I don't know. I think we need to pay attention to that and and, and ask the Lord for wisdom. Lord, is this is this part of the days of Noah? It's just that it's like high tech days of Noah. Mm. Yeah, and and I think you have to be looking at technology. I think that that's part of. You know, you you can say that you know days of Noah were filled with giants, and and you know it may be a little bit of a stretch, but I I, I firmly believe the tech giants are going to be instrumental in deception, and in, in, you know how they're going to interweave technology and AI and uh, gene editing and splicing. Uh, you know the technology of what how you know eventually the mark of the beast will come in line. That that's already here. That's that's you know it's already it's, here. The Chinese government's already working on this with their soldiers. They're creating super soldiers, mm -hmm. and and they want like a an augmented human being with with you know super fast, super strong, super endurance. You know, but but check it out. That's what Satan was doing before the flood. They they wove with with animals. They if you look at a lot of these. Megalithic structures, they're half man, half animal, half bird, half animal. And, and remember, God said, we're wiping, I'm wiping everything out. Why? Because they, they, they were mingling with that. And now you see today, they're trying to take the best out of animals and create a super soldier. China's doing this, other countries. And by that, I mean, well, if I find some of the characteristics in the DNA of a dolphin for sonar or an owl for eyesight or, or um, a, a dog or, you know, for hearing. Yeah. And if yeah. you can start to then you can see that genetic structure. You can see in popular culture, like in movies, like is the populace already being conditioned for this? Like Spider-Man, you know? Yeah. Right. It's, it's some kind of a gene editing with the spider, is it not? We recently went to see the new Jurassic movie. Our girls wanted to see it. It's not, it's not my cup of tea, but I went along because it was a family event. But again, there's messaging coming through in that movie about 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 these things, about about gene, about gene editing and about, you know. Um, and. Um, you know, I think we saw this way back in the 70s and 80s with the six million dollar man, you know, the bionic man. The yeah, sure. I didn't know about that far. So exactly. the guy you were thinking of, I had to look it up. Professor Yuval Noah Harari. His name is Noah, his middle name. Yes. Yuval Noah Harari. Yeah. And really? he, yeah, because he talks about wow. how your your free mind is going to be taken away. Yeah. I mean they talk about it like it's a beautiful thing that the human would aspire to. No, it's it's what the elites who want to control everything would aspire to. Yep, absolutely. But we're going to put together a montage of his voice, things he has said, and it's shocking.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't even try to conceal it anymore. I mean, th- I think there was a time where they were trying to win others over, but they're at the point where they're taking things by force, and they just they don't even conceal the nefarious. Uh, yeah, a- any of it. I mean, there were administrations that were purchasing hundreds of thousands of plastic caskets. Why? Why are we doing that? Why is tax money going towards that? That's suspicious. Hmm. I just, I feel suspicious with a lot of behavior lately. Um, you know, yeah. everything down to even the food. They're trying to tell you, uh, you know, red, red meat's, it causes cancer. You shouldn't be eating that. Red meat is great for you. Ah, but they want you to eat this genetically modified bean burger, you know, like hybrid. Like what? This is good enough. This is going to fuel you. Uh, yeah. no way, dude. <laughs> it's everything down to the food too. It's, yeah. they want, they yeah, want I, every I, aspect of your life. Yeah. Yeah. This is not your father's Oldsmobile. Okay. I mean, we, the church has to like come up and catch up and get involved. Don't just be eating and drinking and marrying and carrying on like it's 50 years ago, because it's not that mm-hmm. even 20 years ago, it's not that. I mean, I believe in enjoying life, you know, and I, and I think we need to live beautiful lives full of rest and refreshment and fun times. But we're also we have to be warriors. We have to be alert or else these times are going to, you know, we're going to have a hard time. And, and I think there's something else important to point out. I've mentioned this to a couple of friends. I may I may have mentioned it on an episode. I, I can't remember. I talk too much. Um, but Christians have always been historically successful underground. They're successful uh, during every kind of tirade that's ever happened, every kind of genocide that's ever happened, any kind of country where it's been illegal. Christians thrive underground. Like, we're resourceful. Mm -hmm. God has provided uh, resourcefulness uh, amongst us and a preservation Mm -hmm. of His Word. So if you're afraid of what's going on out there, it's okay to be observant and cautious, but, like, if— if it takes you, if it takes your life, you're a martyr. If you survive, it's because God has provided uh, a, a, a safe haven for his word to keep going on. It's like, that's a win-win. Like, that's yeah. a good life. That's a good life. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I was recently reading about the Chinese church, you know, and be- before the communist revolution, they had all the trappings of church seminaries and missionaries and organizations and buildings and but all of that had to go underground, you know, with the Maoist revolution. But what has happened? <laughs> you know, they may have thought at that time, oh, this is so horrible. It's going to destroy it. They flourished mm-hmm. underground. They found their DNA. They found their apostolic DNA again. You know, they found like primal Christianity. And I think it's upwards of maybe, what is it, 120 million now, they estimate, in mm-hmm. the underground Chinese church. Um, and it's one of the fastest growing churches in the world. Yeah. The one, yeah. The one source I was reading guys was saying that the Chinese church and the early apostolic church that we see in acts and in the first, second, third centuries are the two shining examples in history. Of the number one growing church in America today, what nation it is in the world. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mark. Do you know the number one nation 
for the for the uh, largest growing church today? Um, is it Iran or China? It's Iran and China. Iran. No kidding. Yeah, the fast, the fastest growing. Yeah, fastest wow. growing church. So you know, I, I think it just feeds to your points where you know there's pressure, there's turmoil. You think of Paul and everything that he went through, and this is you know in the midst of this. Jesus is moving. Mm-hmm. Yes. Jesus is moving in the Middle East. There's so many uh, accounts of, of, of Jesus appearing to many Muslims in dreams and leaders of tribes. And, you know, they, they're turning around and, and, and delivering the good news. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where I say as much as we what we see in America and, and what's going on and some of the things that we talked about, in, you know, in the streets and the protests and the abortions and, and whatnot, um, God has equipped us. God has prepared us. God has placed all of us here for such a time as this. Yeah, man. Uh, you, you know, I'm excited to to be here to be a part of this. <clears throat> Excuse me. I believe we are in the end days. What does the last days mean? I don't know. Could be tomorrow. Could be ten years. Could be twenty years. I don't know. But if you look around, the signs are there. Start with Israel. That to me is the biggest super sign. But He's placed us here. We all have a mission. We all have. Uh, work to do. And, and at the same time, yeah, he wants us to thrive in our families and in our work and, and you know, and, and enjoy the fruit of our labor. Yeah. Oh, boy, you know, what, what, a, what an awesome thought that or, or responsibility he's given us, you know, and to me, when I see all this going around, it just heightens my desire to share the gospel, to, to talk about Jesus, you know, to let him know that, you know, what's the things that are going on and, and, how I've arrived at my confidence, whether it's through a spiritual experience or the intellectual satisfaction of history or archaeology, you know, that there's many, the road leads, you know, there's many roads. I, I say this, he's told us to be a fisher of men. Guess what? Fishermen use different lures for catching different fish. Mm-hmm. We have to be prepared to, you know, to do the same. Yeah. And to, yeah. you know, uh, and, and we need the fire of evangelism. I feel it personally, you know. I heard a teacher say recently talking about Noah's pulpit, he was saying he believes that if we're in the days of Noah, that because God is always at work, there must be Noah's pulpit being restored. And I'm not talking about a pulpit in a church where only one or two people get up and preach, but I'm talking about every man, every woman, you know, every child is a herald or a pulpiteer on their platforms and their relationships, you know in their circle of influence and we should be praying and believing for that. Right. Because it's, it says that Noah preached for 120 years while he was building that ark, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and um, we are streamed into history at this time, Mark, as you say, we're, there's a sense in which we're built for this. You know, we're not only born the first time in history in in these times, but we're born again in these times. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we're born again in these times, and the listeners need to, I, I really hope you can receive this. You are brought up to speed by the Holy Spirit when you're born again in these times. You are equipped. You have the spiritual genetics. You're regenerated mm-hmm. to be a fully functioning apprentice of the kingdom in these times. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right. not the 1950s. It's the 2020s. So we're born again in these times where it's, it's like software being, it's, it's an update, you know, it's like heavenly downloaded, you're current, you know, 
And we have to stay current, Stephen. You know. Yeah. We need yeah. we need updates. We need new installs to stay current with the times from above. Yeah. Um, I I think some people are insecure. Uh, Christians in particular, I should clarify. Some Christians are insecure that they're not going to be relevant uh, in times like this. God's word is relevant. That's, that's yes. the key point. Lean on scripture, lay on that, memorize. I'm actually working on an episode right now. Uh, I I haven't decided what number yet, but uh, the top, you know, X number of scriptures to memorize to convey the gospel cool. clearly and accurately. Okay. Um, and of That's course, awesome. if you're if you're memorizing scripture, it's going to be accurate. But like, what are the key what are the key verses so people could feel like, okay, you know, I haven't memorized in a while. I'm going to memorize some of these guys. Like, scripture is relevant. It applies to everything, everything mm-hmm. that we live through, including mm-hmm. abortion, including one world governments. Uh, you know, take the tinfoil hat off, whatever. Um, everything. Yeah. Raising kids in a scary world. Do you think the Bible has something to say about that? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, of course it does. And I I just like don't be don't be afraid of it. Be diligent. Like you're gonna have to study God's word. You can't wing it. I'll tell you that. If you're not preparing, yeah, you're gonna be unprepared. But, yep. but like, yeah, you're God's gonna get rocked. Stupid. Yeah. Yeah, be it's, prepared. It's the word of God which will bring us solidity and a and a on the rock foundation kind of an experience. Right. And yes, you're going to have to limit your screen time and open the Bible. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm old school on this stuff, but you know I read the Bible digitally too. But I'm just saying you got to get into the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And you know when you're you know and I heard a speaker say this past weekend at our church. He said. He talked about the word going airborne. He's doing a series now on just the power of the word. It's kind of a basic thing, you know, but the word going airborne like a virus, you know, where we can say it out loud. We can testify with it. Mm-hmm. Like you're the podcast you want to do, Stephen, mm-hmm. best scriptures to memorize, to test, to, to give witness to Christ. Mm-hmm. We can pray it. We can pray the word, which is absolutely dynamic, you know, and, we can tell the devil, give him the word. That's what Jesus did in the wilderness. Yep. You know, demons are very suggestive. They come in with this thought, like some kind of a suggestion. And, and, and you know, I, I heard somebody say recently, we just need to like go crazy, go out loud and say, I seriously doubt that. Mm. And, and, and pivot and, and say the affirmation of God's truth about it. So some demon comes and suggests something to you. I seriously doubt it. In fact, I clearly doubt it. And here's God's truth on it. Go back up. Yeah. Mark, I know we've we've covered a lot of ground here. Is there anything else that we didn't really touch on that you think is important for us to talk about uh, in terms of as in the days of Noah? I'd just like to mention, and just food for thought, because I go back to angels, and, and I think that, you know, we have this preconceived notion of these spherical beings and, and singing and, and, and whatnot, and demons as being these hideous, ugly creatures. And, 
you know, first of all, we're made a little lower than, than the angels. And the angels have seen God. They know the Lord. They know these many, many dimensions that we don't know. Um, I just wanted to pull up something that I just kind of, if you wouldn't mind, because I, I think it is important. Um, the angel in, in, in Hebrew is called Malak, or, or the Greek is Agalos. It means messenger, envoy, one who is sent. They have the appearance of human beings in scripture, and they always appear in a male form, never in a female form. So these are primarily, you know, even when we see them looking as men, uh, there are seraphim and cherubim that are esoteric creatures, so that's subject to interpretation. Um, but Hebrews 13.2 says, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for they thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Mm. So, you know, Paul, if you believe Paul wrote Hebrews, that he's alluding to the fact that, you know, we're... We're in contact or where angels are aware of us and, and we need to be a little bit more savvy, if you will. And I just wanted to kind of lay this out. Angels possess technology. They are vehicles of conveyance and weapons of war. They have been at war and are at war with the Lord and therefore with us. And we can go back to, again, the days of Noah, where they, they created these tools and these weapons and there were wars in that times against the various tribes and wars between uh, the tribes of the giants. So they possess technology. They have an ability to create things. If you want to go down the road of UFOs, that's a, another topic for another day. But it's quite possible that that's uh, satanically induced by angels. Um, they, they also, we need to be aware that they have a force that they have men looking for them, that there's the Luciferian church, the, the church of Satan, there are priests, there are witches. And I'm not saying any of this to be fearful, but to be mindful, to be aware, because, you know, we've, we've all talked about how we, we, we have the victory, but, you know, the battle is the Lord's, but we have to engage. Um, they have scientific knowledge. Um, you know, you go back to these buildings, the pyramids, they're lined up specifically with certain cellular constellations, things that defy anything that man could have known or done. Right. Um, and, and this is throughout the earth. Uh, they have spoken in written languages. They have communication skills. Uh, you know, they, they have uh, divisions, you know, much like we would have a military aspect to us where you would have commanders or you would have maybe an army, a navy, an air force. There are divisions of, 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 uh, of Satan's angels, and there's classifications, and there are certain assignments that they have. They keep records. Angels keep records. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm just trying to get to the point that, you know, it is a sophisticated, intelligent enemy that we face. And they're nothing and they have to bow at the name of Jesus, and there's countless scriptures for that. But let's kind of be aware, heighten our sensitivity. When you see these things coming in the days to come, whether it's technology, AI, you know, they're already talking about a, a, a clone Jesus project. That, that, that they, that, that's what they want to do. They want to try to clone Jesus. So this is the amount of depravity and, wow. and, and, and 
really what they're doing is, is, you know, they're deceiving you. Satan is the author of lies. He is the author of deception. Everything that, that you see, you know, coming at you like this is to deceive you, is to take you off course. Abortion is a deception. They're trying to tell you it's a blob of film. It doesn't matter. It's, it's not life. It's okay. But in reality, you know, Satan thrives on that because you're killing man. You're killing human beings. And, and you've, you've created this warped uh, uh, um, degree of evil that we have to be willing to combat. And, and you know, that's kind of what I, what I wanted to get out, that that world during, during the days of Noah was a very different world than what the history books will relate to you, what, what, you know, the, what you're being taught, not you, but people are being taught over time. And, and it's a bunch of nonsense to distract us and to take us off course. And I'll just close with this. I'll never forget this. I was in the, uh, the Museum of Natural History many years ago, and I was watching this IMAX film on space and, and cellular collisions and whatnot. And they intentionally, <laughs> at the end of it, they have you, they have you walk out a certain uh, exit, and they bring you down these ramps, and they bring you through what, what they are defining as uh, cosmic evolution, you know, the, the evolution of, of, of the heavens and the stars and whatnot. And they kind of, it's very sophisticated, you know, great marketing, polished images, and and you have to go by all of it. You have to go down these ramps and, and they take, here's a billion years, here's, you know, 500 million, here's 5 billion, here's 10 billion. And, and I'm watching these people and about six, seven feet in front of me is a woman with maybe 11 or 12 year old girl. And, and I hear the mother say, you know, honey, you know, this is what it was like. Isn't this wonderful? This is five billion years ago. And the little girl stops and she looks up at her mother and she goes, you know, they don't really know this, don't you, mom? This is really just a theory. <sighs> and, and you could see like the bubble over her head go off with a light bulb. And I thought out of the mouth of babes because uh. she was not inundated. She was not programmed yes. with years and years of information she had that innocence about her but the good common sense to sit back and go you know they don't really know this they're just you know bringing this on so uh, i i i just kind of want to encourage people to just educate yourselves be aware be be alert and and um and be on the winning team man if you don't know the lord you know ask yourself right now you know uh you know, if somebody's listening, and, and I'm just going to say this, if somebody's listening and any of this information that the three of us talked about registered to you, you know, the Bible says that if you can believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. And it's just a simple matter of saying, Lord, I am a sinner. Mm -hmm. I need you. I need you to come into my life right now at this time and this hour. And if you do, these angels that I talked about in heaven, will rejoice and sing and revel over you like never before. And you'll be on the greatest journey you will ever embark on. So I don't know if anybody's out there listening to that, but, you know, I just, I, I can't say enough wonderful things about the life with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I'll get off my sofa. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Brian, did you have any closing thoughts for us on this topic or just anything that... Just yeah. Real quick, I mean, Mark's making me think. I, I, obviously, angelic activity was really high in the days of Noah from the dark side, and I'm sure from the good side, too, the warring angels from God. 
and we can probably expect high angelic activity in the days preceding the return of the Son of Man out of Matthew 24. And interestingly, when, when, when uh, Nathaniel came to Jesus, Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. And he goes, how do you know me? And, 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 and uh, how did you, you know, how do you see that? And, and, and Jesus says, are you amazed because of this? You will see hereafter, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Hmm. And so personally, I'm all about it. I think the Father communicates with angels and dispatches angels. They perform his word out of the Psalms. But we need to be all about, Lord, what can I do? How can I position myself under the Lordship of Christ to see increased angelic activity around me? I want to see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man Amen. in the in the ecclesia, in the church, in my life, because we're going to need it. And, and you're right. In Hebrews, it says, entertain strangers, for some have entertained strangers unawares. And it was actually angels that you were bringing into your house. Now, I mean, again, I, we shouldn't be like seeking that. We don't talk to angels. We pray to God the Father. Amen. Yeah. But I'll, but I'll pray to God the Father, and I will say, Father, would you dispatch your angels today around my family? Amen. You know? Yeah, I, I, I pray for angelic protection. Sure. When I'm walking down the street, I prefer to have a phalanx of angels around me. That's what I'm believing for. Yeah. Guarding, protecting. And it says that in Psalms 91, that if we if we seek our refuge in the Lord, that the angels will help us. If we dash our foot against the stone, angels will help us. They'll catch us. And, you know, David said that in Psalm 91. Yeah, and if people are alarmed by any of this talk about angels, uh, angels aid or entertaining angels. Uh, I did do a two part series on angelology. It is the study of angels. So we covered everything that scripture has to say about them and we answered, uh, user submitted questions. So cool. if you think anything we said sounds strange or weird, I encourage you to check that out. I encourage you to challenge us too. Um, of course, like sure. any, any, yeah, any of the three of us are yeah. open book. Um, we believe in the Bible. We lean on the Bible. It's God's word. It's absolute truth. There is only truth and, and non-truth. There's no such thing as personal truth. So, uh, guys, I think I think we covered a lot of ground. Uh, I know we're only scratching. Can I throw out one closing scripture that I found? Yeah, yeah. It has to do with abortion. I'm sorry, but I probably should have mentioned this earlier. Check this out. Proverbs 31, 8 through 9. Open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously, plead the cause, cause of the poor and the needy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can substitute a couple of things, but open the mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die by us yeah. being the voice for those who, yeah. who, who are appointed to die to abortion. I think that's that's following in line proverbs yeah hmm. amen well before before i wrap this up where can where can people find either of you online uh what platforms are you guys on and uh yeah go ahead uh, jesussmart.com is sort of the the what the website for the podcast the podcast is everywhere podcasts are heard 
And there's a new fledgling podcast I started called Wild Ox Prayer. <laughs> and uh, it's not yet on Apple, but it's kind of on all the non-Apple places so far. It'll it'll come to Apple, but that's wildoxprayer.com too. That's a short podcast, like 10 minutes. We just deal with like a prayer dynamic, a kingdom prayer dynamic at the front end of it. And then we try to focus on something like geopolitical or cultural, something that's happening in the nations or in our nation to target in prayer. We actually pray. We agree together. Um, my my the website is called russicoutlook.com, R-U-S-S-A-K, outlook.com, YouTube channel, all the podcast platforms. Um, my heart is to engage the veracity of Scripture and, and the reality of Jesus looking at it from all different avenues, trying to be an open book. We, I look at what's happening from a scriptural standpoint, but also archaeology, mm-hmm. politics, prophecy. We do a podcast once a month called Modern Headlines Meets Bible Prophecy. What are the headlines showing us around the world of what may be lining up? Um, and, and really, my heart is to reach or have someone question, who is questioning or maybe sitting on the fence about their relationship with God or whether they believe or not. I I try to answer and address any questions that the culture has as honestly and as openly and as respectfully as I can. And And the second part of it is that others who know the Lord, that they might be able to glean information from this and share it in their sphere of influence, because the bottom line is to spread the gospel, share the gospel, and, you know, like we're doing tonight. And I just like to close and thank God for the friendship and the relationship that we have forged. Uh, I am grateful. I'm grateful to the two of you. Uh, I applaud two young men out there, you know, just doing your thing. And Stephen, you know, you're, you're, you're coming at it, especially from a different aspect, a different culture, uh, yeah. a, a more of a metal headbanging type approach. And <laughs> I, I love it. I mean, I... I am so encouraged and I love seeing young people, young men and women and and your families are just great. So uh, I encourage the listeners to get to know all of these podcasts and and programming if you, if you haven't already. Yeah. And and, and tell us Stephen about the spite popular belief, because we'll like, I'll put it on my podcast feed this episode. You might have new people. You will have new people listening to what you do. So tell us about it. Sure, yeah. Uh, I'll make this disclaimer just because uh, I do come from a Reformed angle. Uh, Being Reformed is not my identity. My identity is in Christ because Scripture says so. Uh, But when I say that um, I'm Reformed, I'm just letting you know what the belief set is so we can get right to conversation. It just sets the expectation. Um, I just believe what's in God's Word. So it's, it's Reformed biblical theology in a culture full of opinions and agendas. Uh, we run cultural opinions and agendas through Scripture. So uh, what does the culture think about vampires? Okay, let's talk about communion. Are Christians vampires for drinking the blood of Christ? That's good. That's one of the conversations we have. What are aliens? Are Can they be real if Romans says Christ died once and for all? All humans or all creatures? Um, are they demons? But we'll also talk about things like predestination or baptism or things that are happening uh, in the news. So we try to cover just things that the culture are looking at. And 
man, this just shows how relevant Scripture is, because Scripture has something to say about everything. Mm-hmm. And so my passion really is for people who feel like they've slipped through the cracks of modern church, but they're curious yeah. about the God of the Bible. Right. Uh, welcome. Come in. Like, we're, we're having a conversation about God's Word. Yeah, American yeah. Christianity is a little spooky, and <laughs> it's a little off base. Um, yes, I'm from America. I grew up in the American church, but like, we're going to God's Word. That's what we're looking at. That's what you'll get when you come, you know, check yeah. out what all three of us are working on. We just we love, love the Word of God. I love it, man. Keep on, Stephen. Keep going, man. Yeah. Well, I love you guys. Thank you so much for uh, doing this collaboration together. We got to do this a little more often, I think. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely.